think people make a change until they hit rock bottom. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today, I am so stoked for you guys to hear this interview with Lisa Bilyeu. Lisa is someone who went from housewife to co-founding a billion-dollar brand. Yes, billion with a B, which is insane. And she's here to tell you directly about her career trajectory, how she became successful, but more importantly, how money isn't everything. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear it directly from her, her story, and her life lessons. Before we get into this, I want to remind you to check out the 2021 Artist of Life workbook at the Lavender shop. Just go to shop.lavender.com. It's a workbook that I created to help you plan your most intentional year, help you self-reflect, help you clarify your goals and your vision and what you want. And not only that, but also to take you along the journey step-by-step, keeping you accountable every single month towards your dream life. I'm super excited about it, especially during the season of holidays and preparing for the new year. Let's cross our fingers for a better 2021, right? All right, so now that that's out of the way, let me introduce Lisa Bilyeu. Lisa Bilyeu is the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, a digital media production company focused on empowering content. In addition to co-founding Impact Theory, she co-founded the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition 10 years ago. Her career trajectory has been an astonishing arc from housewife to entrepreneur and transforming her business focus from nutrition to entertainment media. And now jumping in front of the camera, Lisa hosts the show Women of Impact that centers on all things female empowerment and co-hosts Relationship Theory with her husband that centers around all things relationships. Here is Lisa Bilyeu. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the Lavender Lifestyle Podcast. I am so happy that you're here. How are you? Girl, it's so good to be talking to you again. Same. I'm just super excited because you are such a powerhouse and you have such an amazing story. So let's start with that. I want to know, did you always have big dreams when you were young? And what's the story behind just your career trajectory going from housewife to entrepreneur in nutrition and then now in media? Yeah, so growing up, um, there was kind of two sides to me. There was the dream of, you know, I, I, I loved America. I loved Hollywood. I always wanted to be in movies. So there was this part of me that was super excited and had a big imagination, you know, and I mean, you've spoken about creativity before. And so in my early years, I really allowed myself to play and be creative. But also I was brought up in a very traditional Greek Orthodox family. So even though I had all these dreams, there was definitely a part of me that each day was being told that I'm going to be a housewife and I'm going to stay at home with kids Um, and the one thing I always say is there's nothing wrong with that if that's actually what you want Um, but I didn't really want it I never thought I would end up there and through circumstances of marrying my husband coming to America not being able to work because of social security and you know you need a year to apply and um, 
for many other reasons, I said, okay, I'll stay at home for a year. We'll get my visa. You know, we'll figure all of that out. I'll support you. And my husband was going to go mm-hmm. out and work. And he was going to work just for um, a year to 12, uh, sorry, 12 months to 18 months. And I would support him. And we looked at all the incredible people in the world. And we saw someone like Steve Jobs, who we looked at his lifestyle. And he only ever wore black. Like every time you see him in a shirt, it was always one color. And the reason being is he believed there's only a certain amount of decisions we can make in a day. And he never wanted to waste them on something as silly in his eyes as the color of his shirt. So my husband and I said, okay, if that's how the the elite people live their lives, that's what we're going to do. Um, we desperately wanted to make movies. So he was going to go out. He was going to work for a year. We thought, how hard is making money? Can't be that difficult. Um, so he was going to go and, and work and I was going to stay at home. And our plan was after that year, we were going to take the money that he had earned and we were going to make movies. And the, What yeah. kind of movies or what do you mean? Just um, go into so the film I, industry? Yeah. So, um, so that was part of my dream. I wanted to come to America. I wanted to come to Hollywood. I wanted to win Academy Awards. I went to film school and all of that time though, even during like trying to get into film school, I had, you know, my dad loves me to death, but he is very traditional. So when I said, dad, I want to go study film, his response was no, no, no. And then eventually he's like, well, you're going to be a stay at home wife and have kids anyway. So it doesn't really matter what you study. Mm. So, and it wasn't out of, you know, malice. It really was out of, that was his belief system. Mm -hmm. He came from a tiny village in the mountains. And so he grew up only knowing that men went to work and women stayed at home. So I was just reminded of that every single day. Like as a six-year-old kid, I would fall on the floor and scrape my knee. And my grandmother would come over in her big, thick, thick Greek accent. And she was just like, oh, it's okay. You'll be better by the time you're married. Like, (laughs) as if my entire life... Yeah, everything is as if my entire life, everything is predicated on being married. Mm -hmm. Um, So once I got married and, you know, was a stay-at-home wife for a year, that one year turned into eight years. Wow. That was really where I, I, I lost myself. I very much slipped into just traditional patterns. I slipped into, you know, the belief system that I, I believe I was given as a child, which is that women are supposed to be, stay at home. I didn't question it. Um, and mm-hmm. so it just became monotonous. And I've really been thinking about this a lot. And recently I've noticed that I don't think people make a change until they hit rock bottom. Like a lot of the people that I interview on, like, you know, they went from nothing to something massive. It was always like, oh, what was that moment? And I hear a lot of women that I interview say, you know, as heartbreaking as it is, like I was considering taking my life or I was going to, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I literally was broke and I didn't have a penny or I got fired. Like there's always like these big dramatic moments that make these changes in people's lives. And I started to reflect back and think about the because that didn't happen, I didn't make a change. Mm, it was like slow, slowly, you know, going. It wasn't a dramatic change for you. Yeah, it's, it's, I kind of call it like the mon- um, purgatory of the mundane. It was just mm-hmm. mundane enough that I felt like I was just in purgatory. Like I wasn't changing, yeah. I wasn't doing anything good or bad. Um, well, did you ever talk about your film dreams? Because that was the, the original idea, right? Yeah. So every year my husband kept, you know, it was like, all right, babe, when are we going to make movies? You've gone out, you're making money. And it's like, okay, just need another 18 months. I just need another 18 months. And Mm -hmm. after that eight years, 
after probably the first five years, I don't think I really thought it was going to happen anymore. Mm, And so I had actually slipped into, I'm going to support my husband and that is my role. Mm -hmm. And over a series of events, it turned out my husband was miserable at his job. His business partners were also miserable. So they were like, let's start something that we really like. And so my husband one day came home and he said, babe, I know I've promised you for the last eight years, every year, it's six, you know, eight, uh, sorry, 18 months, 18 months. But now we're doing something that we're really going to love. And it's a protein bar company. So he's like, do you mind just helping out? Now, because I had been for eight years, started to see myself over time as my role is being the good wife. When Mm -hmm. he came to me saying, can you help with this protein bar company? I legitimately said yes to be a good wife. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, oh my God, this is my way of escaping. Now I'm going to find my true self. It really was okay. I've been taught as a good Greek wife to be there for my husband. I felt good about it. I started to find pleasure in the small things of, you know, being there for him. So he was like, do you mind helping? So I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, of course I don't mind. Um, Now, what none of us expected was that the company would grow at 57,000% and go from (laughs) zero to a billion dollars in five years. Incredible. Um, So what was his business before? Was it any way related to the health nutrition bars? No, not at all. So literally when we, it was in tech. Okay. And his business partners loved fitness. We all went to the gym, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, And so of course everyone's like, what the hell do you guys know about protein bars? What do you know about protein bars? And Obviously, in hindsight now, I see that there's always going to be somebody that doesn't believe in your dream. But the Mm -hmm. only thing you have to ask yourself is, do you believe in your dream? Because if you don't believe in it, then you're never going to get there. But if you like put every ounce of your being into trying to make that happen, then there's there's the chance, right? But it all starts with the power of belief. And no one believed in us. And the funny thing is, I can be so bold, like rightly so. We had no experience. It was in 2010 when the economy, you know, was at its worst. People were not buying protein bars. That was considered a luxury item. And so people are like, look, the protein bar market is dying. You guys are nuts. There's 1,500 other protein bars in the market and you guys have no experience. And when I look back now, it really was the power of belief. And then also my husband came home and said, babe, if we do this and it fails, we lose our house. Oh, wow. (laughs) And the fear of losing my house was bigger than the fear of going into um, an arena that I had no experience in. So I said, yes, I'll absolutely help you. And I mean, it felt like I blinked. I was shipping protein bars from my living room floor one day within you know a couple of months I was shipping from our business partner's garage to a couple of months later we had a facility and I was shipping from the facility and within two years I developed our shipping department into I had 40 employees underneath me I had 10,000 square foot of just shipping space and I was shipping out 80 million dollars of inventory that's incredible wow But I came, I had no idea what I was doing. And every day I was faced with my inadequacies. Every day I was faced with the things that I wasn't good at. And most people stop there. Most people stop because it's so fearful. But because I always used my house as my leverage, like, okay, Lisa, are you going to lose your house because you're scared to figure this problem out? And Mm -hmm. I just... 
I kept pushing myself. I kept pushing myself. And every time someone said, like, you know, that's not possible, I would just imagine losing my house. And back then, being the good Greek wife, I just told myself, you have to make your husband proud. And so Mm. it just kept pushing me. And it wasn't until probably a year and a half in that I started to understand that I was building my self-esteem. I started to feel more confident because I was starting to gain knowledge in the things I didn't know anything about. I started to look at myself. I started to look at how I was, how I was showing up every day. And that's when I really started to work on what, you know, today's times we call the growth mindset. Um, And then I realized that I didn't want to have kids. I didn't want to take care of my husband. I wanted to be in business. And that kind of started the second part of my life. (laughs) I mean, I I have so many questions about this because, you know, you kind of joined on because of your desire to support your husband and help him. Was there at any point that you didn't want to do this or were you like all in? Was it like a partnership? You're like committed. Yeah. So me and my husband, we play a game with which we call no BS. What would it actually take? And the reason why we play this game is it allows us to step back, take away the emotion out of it, take away the I can't, take away it's not possible, and just look at the realities of what it actually will take. And then if you're not willing to do it, that's fine. But the amount of people that, and I don't know if you hear this, hun, but the amount of people where you said, oh, do this, and someone's like, oh, no, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't play the piano, right? And it's like, Okay, you can't, but you choose not to. And I love that. I think it's so empowering. So the piano is the perfect example because I think everyone kind of gets it. I can say I can't play the piano. Or I can say I choose not to learn how to play the Mm -hmm. piano. Which one's more empowering? The second one, because it's your choice. Exactly. And now, you know, if someone says start a YouTube channel, do a show, do you know, start a podcast, and people are like, well, I don't know how to, I can't. It's like, no, no change the language you're using into, I don't know how to do it yet. And now it's giving you the option to say, no BS, what will it take? And am I willing to do it? So you guys were already in that mindset, right? In that when you were building Quest Nutrition together? The funny thing is yes and no. It's like in hindsight, it sounds like it, but I think we kind of just stumbled our way through it (laughs) blindly, right? Where it was like, if we do this, what's the worst that's going to happen? And it's like, okay, well, we lose our house. And it's like, well, I'm not willing to lose my house. So that means I better be giving it my all. Okay, what does yeah. giving it your all mean? And I I had to have that discussion with my husband. I'm like, this, this is going to mean I'm not cooking for you anymore. This is going to mean I don't put your clothes out for you anymore. This is going to mean you have to make your own food and, you know, change your you know, yeah. wash your own plate. Um, and so we had that discussion and so, and so that we knew what we were getting into. Because once you do that and you sign on for it, there's no surprise. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, going back to even the piano, it's like, okay, to be the best in the world at playing the piano, what's the no, you know, no BS thing to have to get there? And I thought, okay, I probably have to practice 12 hours a day. That means that I probably can't have kids. That means I probably can't have a social life. If I practice 12 hours a day for six days a week for the next 20 years, all right, I think I'd be pretty good. Am I willing to do it? Nope. There you go. I'm not going to learn the piano, right? It's like, that's how I kind of break things down. And with Quest, it absolutely was, what is at stake here? Our house. How do we prevent our house? We go all in. What does that mean? It means we don't have date night for months on end. It means that when 
you know, the, fir- the first thing we do when we wake up is we put on our hairnet and we make protein bars. The last thing that we do when we go to bed at night is, you know, we take off our, you know, the, the, the slippers, the socks that you have to put over your shoes and you climb into bed. All right. Is that a life mm-hmm. that we're looking for? Is that what it's going to take to make this succeed? Yes. Is, are we go both agree to go in? Yes, let's do it. And mm-hmm. so when, We went months and months without date night. There was no surprise. I I bought into it, right? I agreed Mm. to it. Um, So it helped me emotionally um, stabilize, if you will. Right. And I mean, what was the point where you guys decided to transition out of it and into media? Was that something that has been on your mind in the later years? Or how, how did that whole thing happen? Yeah, because I love filmmaking so much, it was always supposed to be a stepping stone back into filmmaking. Right. And because I'd worked, before I got married, I'd actually worked on a couple of movies and it was, it crushed my dreams, like sincerely crushed my dreams because I, it wasn't what I thought. It was tip, what people say Hollywood is, is people stepping on each other, be, people being cruel, people trying to step on you to get above. And I, I was like, this doesn't feel right. This isn't how I want to live my life and that's why we turned around and said okay to make movies the way we want to with dignity and pride and respect we will have to fund them ourselves and so that's actually how we started getting Mm -hmm. into let's make enough money to fund our movies so then we kind of come full circle I've been in I've we've been at Quest for two years I start realizing I don't want the rest of my life to be in shipping and it's very important to always self-assess I make it a point probably every three months, but definitely every six months where I just sit down and I, I shed all my beliefs of what I'm doing. And I just ask myself, do I enjoy Mm. what I'm doing? Do I like getting up in the morning? Am I happy? Um, and once Mm -hmm. I start doing that, I get my answers and I started doing that with the shipping and I was like, no, I freaking hate being in a hairnet. I'm proud of what I've built, right? (laughs) Like I've been, I've, I've, I've helped build a billion dollar company, but this isn't my life. I don't want to be in a hairnet and I don't want to be in a lab coat the rest of my life. And so I had to be honest with that. I had to face my ego and realize that I was staying there because I didn't want, um, I, I built my self-esteem over building the shipping department and letting that go was absolutely saying something about my identity. And so I had to look into that and say, Nisa, mm-hmm. this is your identity and ego getting in the way of what you really want. So you have to let go. So I let go of our shipping department yeah. and I started to build our studio within Quest. And so we were filming commercials. Mm-hmm. We had a cooking show with, I don't know if you know, Cassie Ho, Blogger Lattes. We had oh, a yeah. Sh- yeah, so she's, we had a show with her, a cooking show. And so I built sets at Quest. And so I started building our studio within the company and I loved it and it was amazing. Um, and then over time, it started to realize this is more and more where I want to spend my time. I don't just also now want mm-hmm. to spend time making shows. I want to start doing things that are actually impacting. Because when we were hand making the bars, like initially, we were getting handwritten notes from people about how our products had changed their lives. And I started to realize that was my driving force. I started, like the anorexic community, which I didn't expect, were sending like just thank you notes saying, you know, your product allowed me to start accepting calories again. And I was like, oh my Mm. God, like that is so powerful when you know literally your blood, sweat and tears is potentially saving people's lives. Wow. 
And so once I started to get into the media part of it and we were doing commercials, I started to lose touch with that. I started to feel like I was now making commercials to sell the product. And look, it's a good business strategy. I'm such a business, like I love business. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like you need that. You need to sell the product to make money so that you can keep growing. But it didn't feel like my that was where my passion was. I wanted the time and effort I was putting into content to actually be helping people, to actually be making a difference. And so that's when we started to do um, a show with inside the company, which my husband was hosting, where we were having people like Carol Dweck, who wrote, you know, a Mindset, mm, which yeah, was the gross just, mindset. Uh-huh. Yeah, phenomenal yeah. book. Um, so we had her on, we started to have other um, Lisa Nichols on, like all these incredible mindset people on the show. And we started to realize that true wellness, like true, no BS, 100% wellness means you have to take care of the body and the mind. You cannot just take care mm. of the body, eat healthy and think you're okay. Because the people that were depressed, the people that had um, anxiety, they're the people that are not going to the gym and taking care of themselves. They're the people that are potentially looking to bad food that is then making a, a terrible knock-on effect to their mindset. And then it has this spiral effect, right? And so people start to be depressed, have anxiety. And just a lot of the research now is saying, you know, like the mind feeds into the body, the body feeds into the mind, and you've got to be making sure that you're nurturing both. And so everything kind of beautifully came together. My dreams and desires, I've always wanted to make movies and content. And then this newfound passion of really like helping people came together as one and over time we started to realize that was definitely more and more where my Mm. me and my husband wanted to focus and his business partners didn't so we said all right well what's the point in having success if you're not actually living the life you want and so we had a very fortunate situation where we sat down and we said all right do we buy an island and drink Mai Tais for the rest of our lives. Um, you know, I mean, it, it really was that discussion. And, you know, we both looked at each other and we said, that yeah. sounds like a boring life. I don't mind that for a week. But then what's your purpose? Like every morning I wake up, I am reminded about why I push as hard as I do, why I do what I do. And it is to get that one person that writes in and says, thank mm-hmm. you, you saved me. Thank you, you saved my life. Just by me interacting with this, I am now able to have the life that I've always dreamt of. Like that gets under my skin more than you can possibly imagine. It's like, that's why I freaking love you and and think your content is amazing and think everything you do is amazing because you're actually making a difference. Like you're putting the time, the effort, the energy to actually make change. And it you know, it just makes you feel a certain way about yourself. And so Tom and I said, all right, well, hey, we've got all this wealth creation. We were planning to have the dream house. And we looked at each other and just all like, who cares? Like, yes, it's a dream house. And one day I will have it, but screw it. Let's take that money Mm -hmm. and start a new business. And that's exactly what we did. And, you know, that was four years ago, we started Impact Theory. And um, and now I have Women of Impact, which is, you know, what you were on. And that's how I got to meet you. And it's become, you know, my baby and it's a fueling 
um, system for me and it drives me every day. And I know it's super freaking cliche, but you know, you got to take care of yourself before you take care of everyone else. And every day I get fueled by interviewing people, by talking to people, right? Like just knowing that I was going to get to talk to you today. Like I was excited and, um, yeah, that's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, Lisa, I love your story and it just goes to show to our audience out there that you can have all the money in the world, but there is this thing that you're chasing the purpose and the passion. And that's really what matters in life is to have that fire, right? To have that drive because it doesn't matter how much money you have if you're not doing what you love. I just feel like you can speak to that so much because you didn't have to do this. Yeah, girl, it's so funny because... I used to be the person that would hear people say when they're wealthy, yeah, money doesn't buy happiness. And I used to be like, "Uh uh-huh, you can say that because you've got a Chanel necklace on and you're living (laughs) in your mansion, right? I I honestly used to think that was just BS and people just say it so they don't, you know, sound like they're gloating. And then Quest was at its very peak. We literally bought our dream house. So on days where Tom and I were just exhausted, where Quest is like, you've been in sweats all day, you don't feel great about yourself, you know, you're not going out with friends, you can't afford, you're collecting coupons, and you just are like, what the hell am I doing this for? I was supposed to be in movies, and I've got a rolling pin in my hand, and I've had to hand it on all day. Um, we would drive around Beverly Hills, and we would drive in the hills, and we would look at the houses to give ourselves the feeling of success not just look at photos, but actually feel it. And we would talk about like the types of houses and I really like the Mediterranean houses and he really liked the Cape Cod houses and we would argue about how we were going to make it both work. And we were having these arguments when we were in our really shitty Ford Focus with the, the exhaust had a hole in it because we couldn't afford to fix it. And if you went over 60 miles an hour, the whole car would like rattle. And we would do that. And so when Quest was finally big enough where we could actually have the dream house in the hills, like everything, I literally thought, oh my God, this is my dream. Like I'm, I'm living the dream that I had set out for. I'm in my yard. I've got, you know, my dream was doing um, one of those, you know, like hip hop movie music yeah. videos where it's like the woman's pouring champagne on her under the waterfall. <laughs> I, I literally had that vision. I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And I popped the champagne. I'm living the dream. And that was the day that my gut health, literally when they talk about leaky gut, it felt like my gut exploded. It was on that wow. day. Like, you want to talk The about day that you, you had the material success. That's when your health. The day. Wow. I have a photo of me holding the champagne bottle. And then within 10 minutes of that photo being taken, I didn't know what happened, but it felt like my gut erupted. My entire intestines protruded so much that it looked like I was pregnant. I couldn't wear a bra. Now, that was four years ago. I'm still suffering. Oh my gosh. And do you have any more like background on that? I mean, I want to hear that story, what that's taught you. So in hindsight, and this was four years of trying to figure out what happened. So in hindsight, what had happened was when I was around the age of 15, 16, I wasn't um, very popular. I didn't have any boys chasing me. And I finally had a boyfriend. And he said to me one day, oh, you're getting a little fat. Now that was a big trigger for me because I was teased my whole because I was teased my whole life I didn't um 
I started to value, you know, other people's opinions over my own. And so he said that. And then over time, I started to hear people say, oh, eating cheese is, you know, fatty foods makes you fat. And so over time, I started to stop eating fat. I started to stop eating carbs. I started to um, count my calories. So I, I, I wasn't anorexic, but I was absolutely obsessed with everything that I put in my mouth. And over time, what I didn't realize Mm -hmm. is 70% of your immune system is carried in your gut. And so what happened was over time, I was getting sick because I wasn't feeding my gut. Because I was getting sick, what I realized was my doctors were giving me antibiotics. Now, you do that pattern for 15 years where your doctor's giving you antibiotics, Mm. you're not replenishing your gut, you get sick again. Your doctor gives you antibiotics, you're not replenishing your gut. So over time, I started to notice if I would have, let's say, you know, quote unquote, I hate to say this word now, but a cheat, right? Where it's like a piece of cake or something that I wouldn't normally eat. Over time, I started to realize, Mm -hmm. wow, it's really hurting my stomach. And it's taking me four hours. It's taking me a day Mm -hmm. to overcome this. Like I've got really bad stomach pains, but I didn't pay attention. I just thought, oh, it's me. Oh, it's me. Oh, it's me. I just always get sick. It's me. And I come to find out that I was just wrecking havoc to my gut so much so that it was the straw that broke the camel's back was when I gulped fizzy champagne alcohol and then backtracking it was I had leaky gut so you know every time you're eating things that your body can't handle it acts as a poison so it seeps through your gut and it goes into your bloodstream um, which is why I was feeling sicker and sicker all the time Um, antibiotics starts killing off both bacteria, the good and the bad. I wasn't replenishing the good. So I started to build up too much bad. So I had something called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, I had a parasite because my body wasn't strong enough to fight off a parasite, which typically Mm. a lot of us just accidentally have in food, but we don't ever know that we have it. Um, And of course there was On top of all of that, just the emotional side of it, I was embarrassed. I couldn't stand up for long. I couldn't wear a bra for six months. I couldn't, I literally couldn't eat. So my hair was falling out. My, and this was at the peak of Quest and the peak of our success. Like the peak of your success and your health is deteriorating. So when I say, girl, money doesn't buy happiness like it really really doesn't because I was like okay I've got the money I can go to the best doctors in Hollywood let me go to the best you know um gastroenterologist and I I literally was trying to throw money at it for someone else to save Mm -hmm. me and I started to realize um, a couple of things number one I didn't take ownership over my own health I kept saying, Mm -hmm. and other people were saying, I can't believe the doctors. Why did the doctors give you antibiotics? And I was like, yeah, the doctors, the doctors, the doctors. What I didn't realize I was doing to my mindset is I was giving the power over. Mm. And until I said, Lisa, you should take ownership over this. You kept hearing people saying, including the doctors, I shouldn't give you, you know, I shouldn't give you this many antibiotics. Why didn't I ever ask why? Why didn't I ever Google what the antibiotics do to you, Mm. right? It's like once I started to look at that and I started to take ownership and I started to say, and not feel bad about it, like I wasn't blaming and that's actually a fine line, right? I was just taking ownership over it. And once I started to do that and realized it wasn't the doctor's fault, it was mine, 
And I was the one that swallowed it. It wasn't like I was being forced. Mm-hmm. I started to realize, hang on, if I can take ownership over causing it, now I can take ownership over fixing it. Yeah. And so huge. instead of going to the doctor saying, fix me, fix me, fix me, which I was doing for months and months and months and months and no one was able to fix me, I started to say, Lisa, you're the hero of your own life. Fix yourself. Right. And that changed everything. And, and so... I'm sure four years later, where, where are you now? Like, how have you healed? Yeah. What have you done to take ownership over this? That mindset started to say, you shut out a lot of answers that are right in front of you. I used to think meditation was woo-woo. I used to think, you know, taking deep breaths before you <laughs> was woo-woo. Yeah. Like, I was that person, right? I was like... I was the the tough, grind it out, like, what do you mean? You know, give me medication. I'm going to do, fix this. And I was like, all right, Lisa, your belief system has gotten you Mm -hmm. as far as you're getting. And it was a year in, I think about a year in, when my hair was still falling out. I still couldn't stand up. I mean, you know, and especially when you're married, you don't feel sexy because you have to tell your partner to be very Mm -hmm. careful. I mean, these are real things that... You know, as a woman I was going through that I think a lot of people don't speak about and I think it is important to talk about. It was the, apart from the pain itself, right, the fact that I can't stand up, the fact that it's hard to breathe, apart from that, the emotion was so difficult. And then you have, because you can't eat, you're not giving yourself the nutrients, which means my hormones were out of whack, which means that I was randomly crying and I trusted my husband to be honest with me. And he's like, I don't understand why you're crying. Like, I think there's something more wrong with Mm. you than just you're upset. And that's when, because I could trust my husband to be honest with me, I knew that he was coming from a good place. So I was like, okay, I have to fix this. The doctors aren't fixing it for me. So now I have to take ownership. What does that mean? That means I have to look at all the things that I was rejecting and start accepting them, taking them, going back to the power of belief, saying this is going to fix me. This Mm -hmm. is actually going to work. And every so slowly I started to do, it. I stopped working and eating and that started mm. to make a difference. I started to take deep breaths before I would eat. That started to make a difference. I started to notice my, um, you know, my thought patterns, the negative thoughts about how I'm sleeping before I go to bed. I'm just in my mind repeating all these bad things about my day instead of like trying to really push in the, the, the good things of that I did and the positivity. And so I start, because here's the trick, the negative thoughts served me yeah. in my business. The negative thoughts is what pushed me to learn. Yeah, the fear, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you're not good enough, Lisa. You better learn. Like, all of that served me in my business. It helped me take the business from zero to a billion dollars. Wow. But on the flip side of it, it didn't serve my health at all. So I'd spend, you know, these three or four years at Quest helping build it, making it into this massive company and didn't look at my life at all. I stopped drawing. I love drawing. Mm. I stopped drawing for 10 years. Like I didn't give myself any attention. And that's when changing my mindset, realizing it's all my fault, but realizing that's empowering, realizing I can do something about it, then took me to how do I do it? Then I started to 
implement these processes, implement these, you know, um, things where I would shut off and not work and eat and I would take deep breaths and I would, you know, go out in nature and I would get vitamin D and try and get the sun. And over time, now four years later, I'm still um, exploring. There are still mm-hmm. things that I can't eat. There are still restaurants that I can't visit. There's still oils. That was another thing, just identifying the foods that would trigger us. Yeah. Um, that was a whole exploration in itself. But having the discipline to say, this may take me another year. This may take me two years. Honestly, this may take me the rest of my life. But I, that's okay. Yeah. As long as there's incremental steps and I'm working towards it and I'm not beating myself up, um, it's okay. And so that's kind of where I am now where I can eat. Um, I, but you know, I can't have too much sugar. I can't have too many carbs. I, you know, if I drink alcohol, it upsets my stomach. Like there's, there are definitely real things that I still can't do and real days that I'm, you know, some days are better than others, but I've just accepted it as part of my lifestyle. And, um, Yeah, Yeah. so that's kind of where I am now. Yeah, like you're still in the process of healing, which is, I mean, it's amazing to hear your story because I see the dichotomy happening. Like in the beginning, you're achieving success on the outside and yet you're doing it from the fear, like fear-based growth, right? And then you have this turning point where you start to listen to yourself and now you're doing what you love and you're, you're, you're learning to heal and it's like you're still on the journey. And I, I just think it's it's such an amazing story to hear everything, not just the one-sided story, but everything. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, um, and, you know, I, I had no, never any intention of ever getting in front of the camera, of ever being, you know, a voice, if you will. Like, that was never part of my dream. Um, but to be honest, as I've gotten older, and like I said, I really do assess every three to six months on what is actually driving me. And I don't question it. Like, I don't be like, you know, like, oh, well, I never thought that. Like, okay, I love helping people. Huh, I wonder why. It makes me feel good about myself. Huh, I wonder why. Oh, because when I was younger, I didn't feel like I had anyone to turn to. So I wish that there was Mm -hmm. some, you know, so I kind of like, A, break it down. I do really love the like, I wonder why question. Um, But also because I don't think of myself as an expert. I don't think of myself as being a professional. I don't think of myself. In fact, I think of myself as being the learner, even now. And I love that. Because like you said, I'm never done. Whether it's my health, whether it's my business, whether it's another project I'm doing, or whether it's a new part of my life that I want to explore. Like, I'm never done. And to go into anything thinking that I'm an expert is fooling myself. So what I am saying now on this interview, right, I'd love to come back in a year. And, you know, hopefully you hear the difference in my my takeaways and my message and my evolution. And I think that especially as women, we think that there's a finish line. If I get my confidence, then this is going to happen. If I'm able to sit at the table, then this is going to happen. If I'm able to get, you know, learn this, like there's always this, if I'm wealthy enough or when I'm wealthy enough, I'm going to do this. And the truth is, is that nothing is ever guaranteed ever. So you better make sure that you're enjoying the journey. You better make sure that you're enjoying every single day because the outcome is never guaranteed. 
And that's now how I live my life. Yes. Almost li- live it as if it's, it's all you got, you know, it's not, don't, don't live for a future date. Cause so many people, they're like, oh, I'll, I'll go on a vacation when I, in a, a year, or I'll do this when I hit this number of money. So I want to know in your life, like what does a, a typical week in your life look like? How do you structure your day or your week Ooh. with, with your new life? Um, so this is actually very interesting. When I first started in business it was every day is just think of me as like a firewoman with a big hose right and I'm just Mm -hmm. like oh there's a fire put it out oh god there's a fire put it out and you live like that for I mean it was probably at least five years it's exhausting and Mm -hmm. that's when once I started to get sick and that's the thing actually to be honest if I can be honest is that getting my gut issue was while it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because it has changed how I think. Like it has changed. It has made me appreciate life. It has made me appreciate people. It has made me appreciate the moment. Um, And so that was a big catalyst of me changing my life. So I used to literally live every single day. If you had asked me this question, you know, five years ago, it was like, oh, I don't know. Every day is different. I'm just putting out fires. And now today, (laughs) I'm very deliberate. I'm very deliberate with my time. I'm very deliberate on what I say yes or no to. Um, I'm really working on and have been working on over the last two years, setting boundaries um, and very respectful boundaries, but setting them. Um, And so, for instance, I've realized that working out for me um, is my meditation, like I've tried meditating. Mm-hmm. I really have. And look, I never say that I can't because I, I don't like using that word. I haven't figured it out yet. But what people yeah. say that they gain from meditation, I gain from training, like, but lifting heavy mm-hmm. weights. And yeah. I've started to realize, so going back to, you know, judgment, I don't know if people, you know, I used to get a lot like, oh, women shouldn't have muscles. Like that's very masculine. And so I never really lifted weights until I, said but I like lifting weights yeah. so I don't care what other people say and I started to realize that was so powerful for my mind not even for my body for my mind I can go into a gym and it's a challenge it's me against the weight it's not me against anyone else I'm not competing with anyone else except for myself like there's no one there to tell me what to do there's no shoulds and I love it. And I started to realize that I wasn't prioritizing it. And the gym became a, if I have time. And now I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. The gym is my priority. That's the first thing I do in the morning. I don't switch my phone on. I go straight to the gym. I play my music and I work out for an hour. And yeah. no one gets to disturb me. After that hour, I switch my phone on. And then I have a very, um, I go through my calendar Um And those are kind of how I plan out my week. And with meetings, I just make sure that I always have one-on-one time with certain people. I think that's very important as a leader to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're always connecting with your, you know, your team, that you're always making sure that they know that you're there for them. Um, So I do that. That's very important. As a company, there's 26 of us, I think, um, in impact theory. So once a week we have team meeting where we just talk about business and then once a week we have mm. lunch and now it's become virtual lunch but again just connecting with people is absolutely what I love doing so making sure that we're always connecting with our team and then on weekends 
I switched my phone off completely. And <laughs> once upon a time, I would have had a heart attack. I'd be like, there's no way you can do that. And now I'm like, yeah. hang on a minute. I dictate my life, not anyone else. And so I have now just, I vocalize it. I tell my team, I tell my family. And that's actually a good way of a strategy on how to handle it. Yeah. I just say, guys, my phone's off. So you can't reach me. And I've had people try to push back on it. They're like, yeah, but Lisa, what if there's an emergency? So I had my family first say that in England. And I said, okay, let's play this scenario out. There's an emergency. You guys live hundreds of thousands of miles away. It was going to take me 24 hours to get to London. So there's no two-second emergency that I can act on that's going to make a difference. So if you, mm. if it really is an emergency, text my husband. And then everyone else was like, well, what if people don't have your husband's number? And I'm like, then that means there's no emergency big enough that's going to warrant disturbing my peacetime. Yeah. Yeah. So you dictate that. Yeah. So I just, and look, it's hard. I'm not, and everything that I'm saying, I'm definitely that person that found it difficult to set boundaries. I was that person that never wanted to say no. I was that person that always wanted to be there for people, Mm -hmm. but I realized that I wasn't putting on my oxygen mask. And so I switched my phone off. That's huge. I don't go on social media at all, at all. So um, I listen to podcasts and I read books on the weekend and I draw and I watch movies Mm. and I play video games with my husband. How fun. That is, yeah. yeah, You do everything that brings you joy. Yes. Fueling my heart. I think that life, I treat life, I kind of hold two competing ideas. Life is deadly serious and I'm going to make the most of every single minute because I could die tomorrow. And at the same time, life is a playground and I need to be giggling and having fun and laughing every Mm -hmm. single minute I'm alive. And so I kind of hold those two and my weeks are a reflection of that. And you can literally see that by the way that I act and live in accordance to it. I love that so much. All right, Lisa, I'm going to move on to the rapid fire questions at the end of every show. I'm sorry I took up more time than expected, but you just have so many good things. I have have many more questions that I didn't get to ask you, but maybe we'll do another one (laughs) if you want. I would love to. And to be honest, you know that I want to just do an interview in person. I, um, because obviously we met through the COVID. So, but yeah, I'd love to kind of hang out in person. That would be amazing. Awesome. So the first rapid fire question is, Lisa, what does your dream life look like I would say that I'm living it in the non-cheesy way because the dream life I've realized as said in my story um the dream life is not perfection like it's just not Mm -hmm. so when I go okay I no longer strive for perfection and I know you said this is five questions and I'm taking like five minutes to answer but um but that's that's the truth I think we all need to let go of perfection and I think for me I just love the journey so I would just say right now Awesome. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Oh, The Female Brain. Ah. I didn't even have to hesitate there. It was a book that when I honestly say changed, God, I don't want to say everything, but it had a massive impact on my life. The reason being is I'm the sort of person that if I understand something, I can now remove my emotion from it Mm. and just like logically take myself through it and once I started to understand the female brain like understand why we are the way we are understand why gossip is real understand why women cry more than men understand why like instead of judging ourselves or saying oh you're sensitive or you know as a bad thing like at once I started to understand why we actually do that I was like oh that actually makes complete sense and so now when I find myself in those situations I just tell myself Lisa your brain is trying to get you to do that 
or your, you know, your brain is trying to make you feel shameful. All right, I get that because that's a part of my brain that was developed for a very specific reason. I'm just not going to listen to it. Wow. And that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. I have to read this book. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Okay, what is one habit that has changed your life? Setting boundaries. I know that's, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, that's huge. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? Ooh, be so good they can't ignore you. Yeah. Okay, the last one. Finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? You never know what's going to happen next. Ooh. Awesome, Lisa. Where can we find you online? Oh, yeah. Thank you, girl. So if you want to follow me personally and you're on Instagram, go over to Lisa Bilyeu, spelled B-I-L-Y-E-U. If you want to see awesome interviews with my girl here, go over to YouTube, uh, Women of Impact. And if you're a podcast listener, then we're also on podcast. So it's just Women of Impact. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Lisa. And I just love your story. I love your energy. And I'm just so thankful that you came on. Girl, thank you so much for having me. As always, amazing talking to you. And uh, yeah, just thank you for having me on. And, you know, to your, to your listeners, thanks for listening. All right. Hope you enjoyed today's episode with Lisa Bilyeu. Make sure to check them out at Impact Theory, Women of Impact, and Relationship Theory. Now, I'm just going to do some quick takeaways from our conversation. So the first takeaway is how... Lisa was actually stuck in the purgatory of the mundane, as she calls it, as a housewife for eight years. She accepted what she was taught growing up until they started Quest, and then her role in building Quest gave her confidence. Sometimes we don't recognize how stuck we are because it doesn't really feel like a rock bottom moment. It's just, you know, it's just mundane. It's not amazing. It's not horrible. It's in the middle. So if any one of you are going through something like that, I want you to recognize it. Don't stay in there too long. Allow yourself to take a chance, build your confidence, and step out of that space. You want to consistently be doing honest assessments with yourself. Like Lisa was saying, every three to six months, she asks herself, am I enjoying what I do? Do this to stay in alignment with your soul and what you truly want. Another major takeaway from today is how success is much more than material success. And I'm so glad that you guys heard the story firsthand from Lisa. This woman found so much material success. They co-founded, sold a billion dollar company, bought their dream house and everything. And yet behind the scenes, there's so much else going on. She was struggling with her health. And also the fact that even after they had all this money, they could just essentially do nothing and buy a house and retire, right? But instead they decided to start another business empowering people creating content and that just shows that it's not about money life is not about just making money and succeeding and that's it it's really about finding something that you love where you have a sense of purpose and where you're passionate and you have this inner fire to drive you on and on all right so i'll leave it at that today sending you guys so much love and i'll talk to you next time bye all right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.